This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Roast and Reason podcast your podcast for all things coffee. Welcome to episode two. In this episode, we're going to dive into uh, some specific topics related to coffee. Specifically, we're going to talk about what the term specialty coffee means. You hear me use that term in the intro to this podcast. It's going to be a term that you either have heard a lot of already or are going to hear me and other people use related to coffee as well. So I think it makes sense to really define what we're talking about here. So let's start by introducing a couple terms. One, obviously, is specialty coffee. You may also hear the term gourmet coffee or craft coffee, just like craft beer. The latter two terms, gourmet coffee and craft coffee, actually don't have a defined technical definition. I think they mean the same thing, and I think they mean the same thing as specialty coffee in that they mean good or quality coffee. And while some people use the term specialty coffee in the same way, there is actually a technical defined term specialty coffee in the coffee industry. So the Specialty Coffee Association, or SCA, has a coffee scoring system, and they specifically define the term specialty coffee in relation to the scoring system. So let's go into this a little bit. Coffee is tasted by professional tasters, in a very specific way, which is called cupping. I'm not going to go into a lot of details about cupping here, like specifically how it's done, how you can do it at home. That will be a later podcast topic. But basically, cupping is a very standardized way to taste coffee using a uniform, fairly minimalist brewing method. The reason why you do that is so you can taste subtle differences in coffee between different coffees, between different roasts, without much influence of other things like the brewing method that you use. There's a couple different ways why professionals or people in the coffee industry taste coffee with this cupping method. One is to detect defects prior to buying or importing green coffee. So if you work for a coffee roaster or if you are a green bean coffee buyer and you're traveling the world looking for good coffee, you want to make sure that what you're buying and bringing back home to your customers is actually quality and doesn't have defects in it. So at that level, those people in the industry will cup coffee and make sure that there aren't defects there. The same thing happens after roasting. So a coffee roaster may cup coffee 
and taste it and make sure that there aren't any defects from the roasting process at this point. Roasters, when they get a new batch of coffee, may often try different roast profiles to highlight the specific flavors of that particular coffee. So some coffees may taste better slightly with a, with a slightly lighter roast, and some coffees may taste better with a slightly darker roast. So the roaster may cup coffee at that point to determine which roast profile is better. If you've ever seen bags of specialty coffee that have had flavor profiles on them, so flavors like lemon or peach or roasted peanuts, blueberries, marshmallow, apple jolly rancher, any 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 flavor description like that. Those often come from the barista or the roaster of that coffee company cupping coffee to describe its underlying flavors. So that's another reason why someone might cup coffee. And the final brings us back to the standardized definition of specialty coffee. So you can also cup coffee and taste it that way in order to grade coffee. So like I said, the Specialty Coffee Association has a grading scale. It includes an assessment of several different categories, 10 to be exact. The categories that the graders are looking for in the coffee include fragrance, flavor, aftertaste, acidity, body, balance, sweetness, cup taste, and an overall assessment or a gestalt assessment of the coffee in general. Each category is scored on a 0 to 10 point scale. So that leaves us with a total grading scale of 0 to 100 for a coffee. You'll never see a coffee graded 0, or at least I've never seen one, but that's the theoretical scale. In the eyes of the Specialty Coffee Association, only certain people can hand out official scores. So you can cup coffee at home and find one of these cupping scoring sheets online. You can Google them. But if you're an ordinary person like myself, what I score a coffee doesn't really matter in terms of the Specialty Coffee Association and their official grading scale. Only people who are certified Q graders, the letter Q, so a certified Q grader, can give official scores. So what the hell is a Q grader? Q graders are kind of like sommeliers in the coffee world. So what a sommelier is in the wine industry, that's a Q grader in the coffee industry. In order to be a Q grader, you have to pass a rigorous, fairly difficult to pass test that assesses your knowledge of coffee, your knowledge of the official cupping method, and your ability to smell and taste different flavors in the coffee. It's very similar 
to the sommelier test in wine. So if you've ever seen the documentary on Netflix, Psalm, which follows several different people as they're trying to pass the master sommelier test in wine, the Q grader test is very similar. It has a fairly high failure rate. There aren't many Q graders out there in the country or worldwide. And these are really the only people that can grade coffee in the eyes of the Specialty Coffee Association. So all of that back, background brings us back to the official and technical definition of the term specialty coffee. And that is, in the eyes of the Specialty Coffee Association, a specialty coffee has to be an Arabica coffee. Arabica is the species of coffee. There are different species. So it has to be an Arabica coffee that scores 80 points or higher on this 100-point coffee tasting scale. So that's all fine and good, but that I personally don't find that to be very helpful. That doesn't help me as a coffee lover and coffee consumer figure out what is specialty, what I should be drinking, and what I like. I'm sure that you've seen in liquor stores or grocery stores when you're going to buy wine. I'm sure you've seen wine bottles that have a point grading scale on them. So this wine was scored 93 points or 89 points. Robert Parker is a famous wine critic that really popularized his 100-point scale for wine. Now, you can argue if this is good or bad for the wine industry, uh, and, and many people argue either way, but it at least, as a consumer, gives you a starting point. We don't have that in coffee. Have you ever seen a bag of coffee that has a point scale on it? They're, they're out there but they're very difficult to find. And there's a reason for that. When you open a bottle of wine, it's wine. You drink it. You don't really, as a consumer, you don't really process it. The same is not true with, with coffee. So in the official coffee scoring way, it's tasted in a standardized specific way called cupping you probably don't drink your morning coffee by cupping it. At least I don't. You probably drink it with a coffee machine or a pour over or a French press. And if you don't know any of these terms, if you're new to the coffee, coffee world, it's okay. We'll go over some of the different brewing methods and terms in later podcast episodes. I don't want you to get confused or bogged down with that. The point really is, Coffee is officially tasted in a way that most people don't drink it. And that's not true with wine. Sure, sommeliers describe wine and look for things that you probably don't when you drink wine, but it's still tasted the same way. So this technical definition really doesn't help us as coffee consumers. It doesn't really give us something to go by. So what should we view specialty coffee to mean? What should the definition be? I personally find it a lot more helpful 
to think about specialty coffee as quality coffee. So quality in every step of the process. Just like I compared coffee to wine a minute or two ago, coffee is often compared to wine in different steps. But there are several key differences. And another one of these differences is the journey that each beverage takes from the time it was grown to when we drink it. So looking at wine, it's not uncommon for a single estate to plant the wine, to plant the grapes, to grow them, to harvest them, process them, ferment them, bottle and package them, and sell them directly to consumers. So that wine has never changed hands. It's under one company or one estate the whole time. Or maybe in some cases there is a handoff. So the grapes are grown in a vineyard and cared for and harvested and then transported to an off-site winery. So it changes hands once, maybe twice. The same is not true at all for coffee. Almost all coffee changes hands numerous times between when it's grown to when you drink it. Rick Reinhardt from the Specialty Coffee Association wrote a really great piece on the topic of specialty coffee. It was originally written in 2009. And I wanted to quote a direct sentence from that piece because I think it really highlights what we're talking about here. And so Rick said, coffee most often arrives in the final consumer's hand after a long series of baton handoffs from farmer to miller to intermediaries to roaster to brewer. And the final experience is dependent on no single actor in the chain dropping the baton. I really like this baton analogy because I think it really works. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about specialty coffee being quality coffee at each step of the way of people who really know what they're doing each step of the way, caring for coffee in a way that produces great coffee in our cup in the morning and nobody really messing up that process. So I wanted to briefly go into an overview of the steps that coffee takes from the coffee tree to when it finds its way into your cup. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on any one of these steps because frankly, each step really will be a future podcast in and of itself. There's a lot that goes in here and I want to dive into each of those steps in future episodes because I think it's really important for us to understand where our coffee comes from, just like I think it's important to understand as consumers where our food comes from. But very briefly, let's go over these steps. So the very first step is farming. Coffee is a tree. So basically, in this first step, in order to get specialty coffee, we need a knowledgeable coffee farmer that plants the right variety or varietal of coffee. There are numerous different types or varietals of Arabica coffee. So they select a good one and they plant it in the right environment. So in, in, again, to reference the wine world, 
Wine people often talk about terroir or the environment that their wine is grown in. The same applies for coffee. It needs to be the right coffee plant in the right environment, planted at the right altitude, in good soil, and cared for in the right way. When coffee produces its fruit, which are called coffee cherries, the fruit has to be harvested. Unfortunately, coffee cherries don't ripen at the same time. They ripen at different times. So really focusing on only harvesting and picking ripe fruit is a big deal in getting good good quality coffee. After the fruit, the coffee cherries, are harvested, coffee must be processed. So just like any other fruit, coffee cherries are fruit, just like any other fruit, it can go bad, it can spoil. So it needs to be transported from the coffee plantation to the mill or area that it's processed pretty quickly. There are a variety of different ways that coffee can be processed, and I'm really not going to go into too much detail here because some of them are very different, but regardless of which way the coffee is processed, there are a number of things that can go wrong and essentially ruin the coffee at this point. However it's processed, at some point, the coffee is dried. And it's kind of like a Goldilocks situation here. So drying it too quickly or too slowly, not drying it enough, not drying it uniformly can all result in defects or ruin the coffee. After the coffee is processed, it needs to be stored and transported. So much of coffee is grown in areas of the world that it needs to be transported from. There's not much coffee grown in the United States other than Hawaii, and there's not much coffee grown in Europe. That's where a lot of coffee consumption happens, so it needs to be transported from where it's grown to where it's roasted and consumed. Anything during the transport and storage process, like humidity, temperature changes, poor storage, can all affect the quality of coffee. The selection of packaging material for transport and storage is really important. Once it's transported, in order to have quality coffee, it needs to find its, hand, find its way into the hands of a quality, experienced, knowledgeable coffee roaster. That roaster needs to use quality equipment operated in the correct way and roast the coffee in a way that really highlights and transforms that particular coffee into a really good final product. Now we have roasted coffee beans. There's still more things that can go wrong before it finds its way into a drinkable coffee in your cup. The coffee beans need to be ground. Depending on when and what type of grinder you use, you can really highlight the flavors of good coffee or ruin them. The brewing method that the barista selects or you select at home can influence the taste of that coffee. The water quality. Yes, water quality matters. If your water tastes like shit to begin with, and there's a weird 
flavor to it, guess what? That, co- that flavor doesn't go anywhere when you make coffee with it. It influences the flavor of your coffee. Water temperature matters. The coffee to water ratio or how much coffee grinds you use to how much water you use matters. The extraction during the brew process matters. Uniform grind size of beans matters. So I think you can see you can see that there are literally hundreds of steps in this process where things can either go right or go wrong. It's kind of like a game of survivor here. Quality coffee is the coffee that survives all of these steps and is intact and tastes good at the end. So again, I find it most helpful to really think about specialty coffee as quality. Quality at every step of this process. And at each step involved, the people involved with coffee, the people whose hands that coffee touches, the farmer, the roaster, the barista, either preserves the quality of the underlying coffee, or I would argue improves or transforms the coffee to realize its true potential. So let's summarize all of this and and make it somewhat actionable and useful. Specialty coffee does have a technical definition in the coffee industry, but we as coffee consumers, I think, can best think about specialty coffee as quality coffee. And while we may not have access, while end consumers may not have access to the coffee farmer or the importer, we do have access to a couple key people in this whole process. If you have a good local coffee roastery, you have access to the employees of that roastery, to the roasters. If you have a good local coffee shop, you have access to the baristas and to the employees of that shop. Most people in the coffee coffee industry, most baristas, most good local coffee roasters know where that coffee comes from. Ask them. Ask them about the farmers. Ask them where they get their coffee, where they source their coffee. My guess is they'll know and they'll be happy and excited to tell you that information and talk to you about that. Most people that I have met in the coffee industry that are really into it and excited about it love sharing that information. So that's a key step that I think you can take to really drink better coffee and make sure that you're drinking specialty coffee. And I'll go into a couple other steps about how to drink good coffee, how to buy and store good coffee in future episodes. But I really wanted to use this second episode to detail what I even meant by the term specialty coffee. And so now I hope that we're kind of all on the same page and this sets some groundwork for things moving forward. In the next couple future episodes, I really want to dive into more of those steps of coffee, the coffee farming, the coffee processing, because I think that really does make a difference. 
And I think we as consumers, if we are informed and know that, I think that really helps us drink better coffee and be better consumers. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, I hope you'll join me on our next episode. And I have a quick request for you guys. If you guys could take just a minute and leave this podcast a ratings and review on iTunes, that would mean the world to me. I think that would really help get this podcast out there to other people who might enjoy it and benefit from it as well. So thank you very much, and I hope you will join me next time. Take care.